Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Well, it's so great to be here on this occasion celebrating Highway's 26 years. It's been an amazing journey and it's been a journey with a story. And so we want to just share over the next few moments just some of that story and what it's felt like for us as the senior pastors and to bring you into some of the memories and to most certainly give thanks to God for this this story that has been unfolding now since 1995. We seemed to eat a lot, didn't we? It was always a cake or a barbecue or... I remember transporting that cake in the back of the car. Mm. (laughs) And one year it slid out. One year it slid over. Yeah, we had to patch it up. There's Caleb Sarong, our first yeah. baby dedication, yeah. right there. Yeah. Still with us today, mm-hmm. Children's Church. Mm-hmm. It is amazing uh, when you say yes, what happens from there. And that's all we did, wasn't it? We, we did. They said, would you like to plant a church? We said yes. And it was a handful of people, I think about 11 adults and a couple of children, and and we put ads in the paper, we did the mail out in the letterbox and prayed that anyone would show up and, <laughs> and, uh, and they did. Church cricket match, Highway... Versus South Africa. Versus South Africa, yeah. that was good. Yeah, I can't remember who won though, can you? Wouldn't have been me. <laughs> we, were, we were green, we were new, we, we didn't really know exactly what, how it was all going to take shape and form. And we began um, in very humble beginnings. We began at the Pimpama School, State School, just minutes down the road from where we are at the moment. And uh, it, was, it was an exciting start. We, we started with a lot of enthusiasm and passion and faith and expectation, but certainly with very few people, resources, and we, we literally had no money. Fancy dress nights, we won't be re- revisiting them. Yes, you and I went as the president and the first lady, yeah, Jackie JFK O and JFK. And Jackie o. <laughs> you actually look like Jackie O. Do I? Yeah. I look younger now. <laughs> <laughs> well, we moved from the the hall of uh, the school demountable over to the Pimpermar Hall and that was for me at the time we had about 50 people and it was kind of crowded in the demountable but over in the School of Arts Hall it was it was like a pimple on an elephant and I remember sitting on the stairs of that hall thinking I, I hope I've done the right thing here I was actually panicking we were paying $7 an hour rent for the hall and uh, we're up into big finance now and um, I just didn't know if anyone was going to come. So mm-hmm. it was a it was a lot of money to pay for just 50 people. But as we did it, as we took that step of faith, um, the people came. It was a wonderful 10-year experience for us because... Um, it was there, I mean, it was typical, um, you know, early beginnings, you set up, you pack down, and the faithful crew that we had at that time, their day would begin at 4.30 a.m. every morning. Yeah. And we grew, and we grew from those 50-odd people 
into finally having to go to a multiple service on a Sunday morning. Remember that? I did. <laughs> One of the, the key elements to that season in that 10 years, uh, doing multiple services, uh, was the, the volunteer buy-in. And we had people that would start as Anne said, at 4.30 in the morning and then pack up late at night after a church service. Everyone would just get in, pack up the chairs, roll up the carpet, um, wind up all the cords and the, pack the lights. Uh, and there was such an incredible volunteer spirit in those 10 years. It was, um, was incredibly valuable. It, it bonded us all together with a sense of mission and a sense of purpose and um, everyone just had fun, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a great time in that, in that 10 years. The first children's home in India, mm -hmm. first women's conference in India that we put on. In that 10 years there were great steps of faith. We, we purchased uh, the land at Ormo, uh, two acres um, at that time, and uh, that was a faith journey for us to purchase land and to build the building that we're currently in. And um, we only had, I think at that point, about 300 people at that time. Um, and I remember one day saying to the church, uh, we need to buy land, we need to build, but we need to get a loan. And we were looking at $1.6 million to to get a loan to build. And we took up one offering in that, in that hall of about $350,000 in one offering. And that was out of 300 people. And when the finance company saw the offering that was taken up, they said, Byron, let's, let's not see um, if we can do this. Let's see how we can do this. And take possession of the land was pretty exciting. It was exciting. Yeah, we, that, that was a very exciting time. Our church came, we stood on the ground, we had a, um, a guitarist and we just worshiped to a, to a guitar. And then we drove stakes in the ground and everybody prayed. It was a very, very um, exciting time for our church possessing well, the land. It was. And yeah, you, I remember standing on the on the ground and just feeling the presence of God, and it was very, very significant. A great memory, great memory, great blessing. I remember the faith aspect of driving the uh, car axles into the ground. We made stakes out of car axles and painted them gold, and and uh, came up on the land and drove those stakes into the ground. It was such a, such a faith leap for us. And um, young and old grabbed a hold of a sledgehammer and drove those stakes in. And it was incredibly symbolic of, of putting a stake in the land for God. And I think it was about, after 10 years, we were about 420 people. And you're right, when we came into the building, uh, within the first year, we were up around 900, which was, which was crazy for us. But we've had some enormous challenges and many of you stood with, stood with us in that time of personal challenge. 
are real personal challenges. Byron's health um, went down and he was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And so a real personal challenge hit our family. Our family were extraordinary at that time, but you can imagine uh, what it's like when, a, when their dad when their dad has been diagnosed with that. And so as a family, we rallied together, but not only our immediate family with our children and our grandchildren, but also our church family. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So many prayed for us and uh, many prayed for us within Highway, many prayed for us across the world. And it was a time that we really felt the, the friendship, the friendship that comes with being in church life. and. You know, we thank God. We thank God because Byron saw that through and came through the other side. And today, a clean bill of health with that. So, um, so many years have followed since then. And of course, to our own personal family, many grandchildren have been added to our family. And so we come with gratitude because there are grandchildren that you wouldn't have met had that gone another way. So. We started uh, with one caption in, in the early days and it was, um, a family church with a mission's heart. And family has always been very much uh, a core value at Highway. And we've seen that not only in our family, like with the, you know, these days uh, coming up to 10 grandchildren, you know, um, but also uh, to be around as the senior pastors for 26 years, you see the families and you see the young people that actually meet at youth and grow up and you get to marry them and then they have children and you get to dedicate their children and, and you know, it's, it's just been an incredible journey of multiplication uh, with family after family after family. And so family's been very strong, but also our mission has been um, with us uh, hand in hand. Uh, we've um, been in India now for, for many, many years and we have, you know, ministered to literally thousands and thousands of people, uh, not only with practical, medical um, aspects, but also um, children's homes that have been uh, decentralised now and put into communities where, where they're in foster care, which was something that India had, you know, it just wasn't happening over there. And, Oh, look, it just goes on and on and on, uh, the work um, over that, that, that time uh, in mission and also locally. You know, we've had an incredible impact locally and um, with our, our governments and our foster care and with children out of domestic violence and, and the Gotcha Back program has been incredibly successful. Um, but also the carols, honey, you started wow. that. Wow. <laughs> A long time ago. Yeah, I, I, I think I think it was 1997. I, I really just started with an idea, but doesn't everything start with an idea? And our son Shane was playing guitar at a um, at a. It was the Logan City Council doing something on the back of a truck. There was only about 200 people there, and I just had an idea. Maybe Highway Church, which would have been hard to remember. Maybe we were a church size of around 100 people just perhaps including children at that time 
We didn't have, you know, too much resource, but we decided to do it anyway. And of course, today, our Highway Carols is known everywhere. It's known throughout the Gold Coast and it's grown to numbers that I can't calculate, but some have calculated anywhere between 15 to 17,000 people now enjoy this highway carols that started with an idea on the back of a truck in about 1997, somewhere around there. But of course, over the years, there's we've had opportunities and this is the journey of faith that brings opportunities and we've had the opportunity to purchase real estate and you know 10 acres at Goldmine Road that is sitting there waiting now for future um, yep. things to happen there and of course um, also our five and a half acres at Gilston which is our highway home at Gilston and uh, run so beautifully by pastors David and Claire Hearn and so we are grateful for everything that's happened. When you, you look back to those early beginnings in the Pimpermas School Hall, in a multi-purpose school room that seated maximum about 50 people, and to see how God has added to the work at Highway over these years is, is staggering. It's a privilege, but you know, should we expect anything less because this is the journey of faith and it takes you somewhere. Well, 16 years ago, we had that prophecy about three locations and multiple thousands. And, and today we've seen that realised with our location here at Ormo, our location at Gilson, and also our online location, which is reaching today, we don't know, untold uh, amount of people um, that can watch that anywhere. Uh, we've got friends in India, America, New Zealand, uh, that all tune in to uh, our Sunday services online and um, you know that you cannot calculate but um, you know God has been incredibly faithful and and we've just kept saying yes and and put our shoulder to the wheel uh, turned up every day um, and watched God do amazing things uh, it has just been an incredible journey he has been so kind to us, so kind to us. And so the story continues. The story continues with the same measure of faith that we began with in 26 years ago, April 9, 1995. The story, the story continues with that same measure of faith that we had to move into future days and the generations to follow. So we thank you. We just say we're grateful to God and we're grateful to you because you've all contributed something yeah. to this highway story and uh, we thank you, we really do. Yeah, God bless. God bless. Well, it is a great story and it's, it's become a great story because so many people like yourselves and so many others have contributed over the years. And, you know, Byron and I might be the leaders here, but we did not get here alone. And it has been a great family involvement. And when I say family, not just our immediate family, but also the church, which, you know, really does become your family. And so we've been incredibly blessed and privileged and grateful over the years to be able to 
see this through this long. And I say that because life never goes just like that. And life has its ups and its downs and it has its rough moments as well as its time to celebrate. And so today we're here because it is a milestone. Last year we turned 25 years old and we wanted to have a great big celebration as you do when you turn 25. There's certain birthday milestones that you don't want to let go without making a big thing about it because you've reached an important stage. But of course, last year due to COVID restrictions and closures and whatnot, we weren't able to do that. So we thought this year we're turning 26. Let's have a family dinner. Let's bring the family around a cake because as you saw in the photos, right from 1995, every year we've had an enormous cake. And that cake traveled far and wide. There used to be a bakery down the road that used to make these enormous, as the church grew, the cake grew. And, uh, and we would bring that cake to the church on a Sunday and we'd divvy it all up and everyone got a piece of cake and we'd say happy birthday. I think it was really just an opportunity to be able to eat cake more than anything. But, you know, when you hit a birthday, you want to have a cake, right? And so we did that every year and uh, we just thought at the end of this service, why not? Let's have a cake. So you are about in a few minutes time to enjoy dinner and a cake because it is 26 years just knowing that God has been on this journey with us. So when we started, you know, um, it was funny this morning, Caleb said, you know, Anne's going to give her perspective on things. I, you know, my mind goes in about 10 different directions when you say that, because you're trying to condense and contain into just a few short minutes what it was like as, you know, my part in this story. All I know is I look back, I was young. I was much thinner than I am now. And I look back on those photos and I think, I don't know, the hairstyles got pretty rough along the way. The shoulder pads were enormous at one point. We had shoulders out to here like a couple of American football players. And, uh, you know, but we had fun along the journey. And what? who was added to us at that time? I couldn't help but... Just think of Robbie Retief as he sang uh, just a few minutes ago. Robbie has come along to every women's conference I've ever put on. The women just love hearing Robbie sing. I think Mike Noonan's been on every women's conference I've ever done. Alex Rowley and others would just, the men would come on the women's conferences and they would say things like, we don't need a men's conference, we're just all coming to the women's conferences. And so it's just been this privileged place and journey of being able to build a church and within that church comes this sense of family people that you would not have had an opportunity to do life with and to build a church with, that you get these enormous privileges that come with the passage of time. And I think that's one of the great rewards of staying at something for a long period of time. And now Byron and I, you know, we've now we've moved into that longevity uh, place. And when we hit a certain age, and I'm not going to tell you what that age is, but everyone kept asking us, when are we retiring? And so I, you know, you think about that and you think just because you've hit a certain age, why do you have to retire? 
why can't you refire? So why can't we get stronger rather than weaker? Why can't we go forward instead of backwards? And so, you know, we just had to sort of just stop and pause and say, well, 26 years. I mean, if you think about it in, you know, if you're 26 in this room, you are just beginning in life. You are just starting. You are in the most exciting stage of your life. And so I think when it comes to building God's church and putting our hand to the plow with those things that are really important, then we should be getting better and better and better and better and better and moving from strength to strength and glory to glory and just doing great, you know, because what we do is eternal and it's valuable. And so it's not like a secular job that you reach an age, they give you the handshake and out the door. But when it comes to the things of God, it just goes all the way through until heaven is ready for you. So I'm not suggesting we'll be here when we're 100, but uh, nonetheless, our sense of life's purpose will always remain. I was the quiet one in the story. Byron's the funny one. You know, if you laugh at my jokes, I know I've hit on something funny because I'm not naturally funny, but he is. And he says these quirky things from time to time. And so because he was the funny one in the story, I much preferred to be almost a little bit quieter and invisible. And yet I found myself over the passage of time having to do things like I'm doing tonight, standing in front of all of you and all of you looking at me and me having something that was worth you listening to. And so I think that's what it's like when you grow and when you mature and when you develop and you grow in the confidence and I suppose some courage to some respects. But when God has called you to something, you just step into that which he's called you to. And so that's very much has been a journey of development. And I've only got a few minutes because we're going to have dinner in a few minutes. I'm going to try very hard to condense this down into just a few thoughts. But I was asked recently, I was interviewed recently, and someone asked me, you know, in your journey of leadership and in your journey of building the church, what has been a book that's been a standout book for you? And if you saw my bookcase, which is currently in an enormous uh, cardboard box in storage right now, so I don't have access to anything much, but there's been one book that has stood out that has really impacted my life. And it's a book that I refer to from time to time, but it's a book that literally changed my perspective on a number of things. And it, these, this interview that they did with me, it was seven questions, and but one of them questions was, what is a book that has impacted your life? And it was the book, uh, it's called The Legend of the Circle Maker, and the author is Mark Batterson. The story revolves around a first century sage, a first century prophet. His name was Honey, and he was known as the Circle Maker because of what was happening in Israel at that time and the way that he went about it. And this man, because there was this drought that was just a drought of mass devastation across the land, and every, that generation was in trouble, and the generation to come was in real trouble because the drought was about to really, I guess, kill off their livelihood, their future, and this generation and the generation to follow was in an enormous amount of trouble. Everyone was in fear. Everyone feared for their future except one man. And this man was this man called Honey. 
this very first century man of God who stood and got his staff, a six foot staff, and he began to draw a circle. And the circle got bigger and bigger and bigger. And finally, when the circle reached where it needed to go, this man called Honey stood right in the center of the circle. And according to Jewish records, it says that the people in that generation were no longer listening to God, no longer expected God to speak, no longer expected God to answer their prayers. They had stopped listening because they believed that God was no longer there for them. And yet this man called Honey believed otherwise and believed differently and believed that God was not a silent God, that he was the God who did answer prayer. And even though there was a drought that was threatening the generation and the generation to follow, he had enough faith and resolve and belief in God to say, I can be an instrument in the hands of God to bring about a change for this generation and the generations to follow. So Honey had earned himself a reputation and his reputation was this one, that he was a man of prayer and a man who believed that God heard what he prayed. The reason that he was known as the circle maker was because instead of accepting drought, instead of expecting devastation, instead of expecting that a generation would be lost, he believed that God was able to rescue and save a generation and bring about his blessing upon the land. He was a man who stood alone and no one really came on board with him and he became an instrument in the hands of God as he prayed. And so literally Honey called for rain as he stood inside the circle and he stands inside this inner circle, this circle that it now was quite wide and he stood there and he prayed this prayer according to Jewish records he prayed this prayer he said Lord of the universe I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children the people that were there according to the records and the account that was there the people that were there they said that his prayer just sent a shudder down them, not because of the volume of his voice, but because of the authority that was in his prayer. And because of that authority, they thought, we got to watch this space and see what takes place. You see, it also goes on to say in the book that like water from an artesian well, the words that flowed from the depths of this man's soul, his prayer was resolute and yet humble, confident and yet meek, expectant yet unassuming. And then I love these next three words. It says, and then, then it happened. You know, as I read this story and I've reminded myself about this very account of this Jewish uh, prophet, it inspires me that something can happen again. That God can pour out his blessing again upon our generation and the generations to follow. It reminds me again that you and I in the hands of a mighty, powerful God can send rain on our land again. And when I say that, I don't mean the drops of rain that water your garden, but I am talking about the rain of God's Spirit. It says here that as Honey stood and he prayed, 
The first drops of rain began to come until eventually the drops of rain turned into such heavy torrential rain filling and flooding everything that had previously been dry and been barren. They say that it rained so much that the people had to find higher ground and they went up to the Temple Mount to escape the floods that were coming. It's been said that this prayer that was prayed by Honi, the circle maker, was one of the most significant prayers in the history of Israel and still is today and it stands today as a testament to the power of prayer and how prayer can change the course of history. When I read these pages, I don't know how these words affect you, but I know what they do with me. I know how they mattered to me as we started this church all these years ago. As we walked the streets and as we began to just declare a local church in this region and, you know, we were told it would not work. We were told that it's pointless starting a church because it's been tried a few times before and no church has ever been able to get off the ground, last for any time whatsoever and eventually they close their doors and they walk away. And I'm so glad that I stand in this, this platform today saying that 26 years later we are still here, we are still growing, we are still preaching the gospel. God did answer a prayer back then and He's still answering prayers today. It doesn't matter what the ground is like, whether it's drought or whether it's not. God honours the prayers of His people in this generation and in the generation to come. And so drought had come to the land. And drought has come to our land as Christianity has been under enormous attack and threat, even in our generation. Probably more than I can recall. But as I read these three, a few things to you tonight before we break for dinner together, I've asked myself the question, if I was there on that day with this man, Honey, where would I have stood? Would I have stood inside the circle or outside the circle? Would I have stood inside the circle believing God that rain could come and break the drought? Or would I have stood on the outside of the circle and said, Trouble's coming, devastation's coming, it's too far gone, there's nothing we can do. I ask those questions today as we stand in such an important time in not just the history of our church but in the history of our own land. That where do we stand? Do we stand inside a circle of faith or do we stand outside and say we give up, there's nothing we can do? Would I be able to stand alone or stand with just one or two others that find the courage to pray a prayer that nobody else is praying, to find the faith that no one else has and say, if God moved then, he can move again. As Honey stood out from the rest, we learned that he was a man who believed in the power of God and he believed in the power of prayer. He was a man who stood out because he believed that not only when he prayed, that it had anything to do with the volume of his voice, whether that be weak or whether that be strong, but it had everything to do with the authority that he stood in. And he believed that God, when he prayed, that God indeed would send rain. And as we stand here right now in this month in 2021, April 2021, I really do believe, I mean, we could just say, 
we just park here. 26 years has been a good run. But I honestly believe for the church right now, there is so much more ahead. I honestly believe that we have barely scraped the surface. I honestly believe that we are barely making a dent on where we could go. I honestly believe that there is a whole generation ready to accept Jesus Christ as Lord, that there is so much more ahead. And Byron and I reflect all the time about the goodness of God. You know his story, you know his testimony. A man who was stooped in addiction with no hope for a future, no hope for a marriage to survive, no hope to be able to parent children well, and yet God came into his life and completely turned his life around. Is there hope for a man in a story like that? Of course there is when God comes into your life. But I believe that there is so much more ahead for us as a church. We spent a little bit of time today reflecting on 26 years. And when I say that, it sort of stirs me up to believe for so much more. But we ask God for his presence. We ask God for his provision. We had nothing to start with to speak of, and yet his presence came, his provision came, people came. A little bit of money came our way. People started to align with the purposes of God and say, I want this. We circled homes and streets, literally one step at a time. Literally one step at a time, being chased by vicious dogs. We walked the streets where there was acreage properties and had these massive big German shepherds come running out to us, ready to eat our leg for dinner. I mean, we literally did that, putting in the letterboxes. The little leaflet that Byron was our very first graphic designer on. You know that blackboard that you saw at the start with the road and the starburst? He, I think that was his very first graphic design. Thank you. And I'm so grateful today that we've got others. Others. But you should never despise the day of small beginnings. <laughs> but thank God we grow beyond that, right? So we circled streets and neighbourhoods and beyond. And God began to make it clear to us that we were on a journey to something. You know, the author of the book says that God honours bold prayers and bold prayers honour God. And I think sometimes we think bold prayers is when someone yells and screams and shouts and hollers and prays loudly and it's got nothing to do with that, but it is about that place of the heart that I'm standing in this place of boldness with my God, that I am before a throne of grace, confidently coming before Him and believing for this next generation. I don't know what your drought looks like today, but as a church, and it's wonderful to see this room, I see a generational room. I see parents, I see children, I, I have grandchildren here. And I see a generational room and that is exactly the room that we prayed for, that we would be a church that is generation, generational from one generation to another, that the Gospel would prosper. This church has been grown by the generations. 
Carly, our daughter, who has just walked out with our little granddaughter, was our very first overhead projector operator. So good. Some of you don't know what an overhead projector is. It's that little thing. Some of you are too young to say, what is that? That's what we did, a little piece of plastic thing, and we'd write on it with texture and up go the words of the song and she was only five or six or seven at the time and it would sometimes be upside down in a service and I just love that. Christiane did things and Shane did things and so did your children for those in the room. And children were added to us and we became a family church with a missions heart. And so we just kept, as Byron said, we just kept turning up We just kept showing up. But I want to encourage you tonight as we stand on in this moment of time that faith does prevail. And the stories of faith prevail from one generation to another generation. This first century man of God, the century, this was the century before Jesus Christ came to the earth. This was the very, um, this was the century before Jesus. And so this story of Honey remains to this day. And here we are right now in this moment of time. And this growth and this journey does not stop here. It continues on. It is an ongoing, continuing story. No matter what your drought looks like today, it might be a financial one, it might be a family one, it might be some other drought that you're in today. I wonder, even as I've just spoken a few words to you tonight, if just draw a circle. Stand in it and call upon the Name of God and see what He does with it. As you might be dealing with a a child right now, a son or a daughter or a problem right now, just draw a circle like Honey, the first century prophet, did and stand in it and see what God will do because He's a God that honours bold prayers and bold prayers honour God. And so I've run out of time because Joan's out there cooking dinner. We've got a cake that is somewhere in the room. I don't know where that is, but I think if the children are here from Children's Church, you can't say that you're a family church with a mission's heart without inviting all of our kids from Children's Church into the room. And we want to do that in a moment's time and pray for this next generation. Pray for the next generation. And I want you to applaud as these kids come in because these are our leaders for tomorrow. These are our leaders. These are our school teachers. These are our politicians. These are the ones that will carry the message of the gospel to their generation. So exciting, so exciting. And not just these kids, but seated in your seats, which we don't have time to do, but if we had time, 
I'd call all of our under 30s down the front and say, we are, we are watching you with great interest to see what you do with what God has imparted to you. We are watching your lives with excitement and with expectation and with great interest to see what your lives will become and how you will carry the message of the Gospel. And I thought you can't be a family church without praying for the next generation, amen? So as a church, that's what we're going to do. We're gonna pray for this generation that they would not waver, that they would not lose that which is God has given them. And they're very excited. They're waving up here. They've spotted someone. Then they would be some of yours, right? Some of yours. Let's pray, church. Let's pray for this generation. Father, we lift up Your Name in this place. By faith, Lord, we stand in this circle of faith, just like Honey, that first century prophet did. And God, as He called down rain, Father, we call down Your mighty presence and Your favour upon this generation and the generation to come. God, we call down Your Word that these would be men and women of God, that they would be like a Samuel that would have an ear to hear the voice of God, that they would know the steps and the direction that they are walking in and know this is the way, walk in it. Father, we pray for this generation that they will not be lost, that they'll not be distracted, that they'll not be swayed from left to right. But Father, we pray, oh God, that they would become so aware that Your hand, Your presence, Your provision, Your grace and Your mercy is upon them. Father, raise them up to be the leaders of tomorrow. Raise them up to be the pastors and the evangelists. Raise them up to be those in their community that would contribute to their generation, we pray. And we circle around about them right now and we cover and keep and protect them for Your godly purposes in Jesus' Name. And the church says, Amen. Give Him all the praise. Amen.